Hi. Welcome to the back rooms. I'm at the back rooms hotel. <laughs> like Ethel Kane. My dream actually is to go here one day. Forget where it is, but it, it's it's real. New York's hottest club is the back rooms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Today's topic is liminal spaces and core core. Which there's no like concrete connection between the two, but they kind of exist on the same plane for us. They evoke the same emotions, I think. Yeah, I would agree. And Korkora has unfortunately kind of dropped down, and I really miss seeing random videos of that on my For You page, but besides the point. I will say I've been getting random, not core core videos, but just complete nonsensical edits of Jason Schwartzman, where it's like clips of him, and then like it's a meme, and then it shows like something completely unrelated to Jason Schwartzman. I'll see if I can find it and I'll okay. send it to you guys. But it's like specifically him, and it's been multiple... I haven't times seen that. that this has happened. I, was, I I think I saved them, so I'll send them to you guys. I think it's core core adjacent. <laughs> awesome. Okay. I guess I can start about liminal spaces because this is considered a passion of mine, liminal spaces. So I'm excited to to give my thoughts. Basically, let me look up. I thought I wrote this down, but I didn't liminal definition from Merriam-Webster of relating to or situated at a sensory threshold barely perceptible or capable of eliciting a response of relating to or being an intermediate state phase or condition in between comma transitional if you're looking for an example of liminal space we're all in a liminal space right now actually I feel like these types of images have been floating around the internet for like a couple years now, like Emily's background of like kind of the old office building back rooms. Like I feel like those have been very popular when it comes to like looking at visuals for the liminal spaces or i.e. the back rooms. When doing research for this episode, I was looking on Pinterest and there's kind of two categories that I was seeing like the images fall into when it comes to the back rooms or like liminal spaces. One was kind of like dreamscape type places. Like it's like during the daytime, very bright. There's pastel colors, it's usually like a water source and like the sky is like full of clouds, things like that. Kind of, it kind of invokes a very like peaceful, fun atmosphere. And it's very, it's very dreamlike. You kind of realize it's not real and it's definitely someplace you would you know visit in a dream I guess and then the other is kind of like the more grungy corporate feeling back rooms that are like a little bit nostalgic in a way they're more grounded in like reality and they're often scary obviously a liminal space is like based off the definition like a, an in-between area but like when it comes to like I feel like our generation of people who are like really interested in liminal spaces a liminal space is more than just like the back rooms it's like a place you can only get access to again in memories and dreams like i think that's why there's a very nostalgic sense or aspect to these places because it's not just the back rooms of a restaurant or a business but also i think a lot of liminal spaces include old kids playrooms or like 
arcades, things like that. Indoor playhouses, yeah, like the McDonald's play area. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, and they all kind of have the same kind of color scheme in a way. The primary colors that toys have and things like that. Chuck E. Cheese and Five Nights at Freddy's. Yeah. I wanted to cite Gracie, who's one of my friends who I talked to about this topic with. And she said that like liminal spaces to her are places you want to go but can't go and don't really harbor the same feelings if you were to visit them again. So like if you were, you know, say a 22-year-old girl visiting like a playroom that you had once experienced as a kid, like if you were to like go to that place, it wouldn't harbor the same feelings as it was when you were a kid. Additionally, like they're just places... Like, the liminal spaces that are very popular, I guess, are just places that we don't get access to in reality as well. So, like, the back rooms, again, like, you don't get access to unless you're an employee of that business. And another liminal space I consider is, like, a high school or a school after hours when there's no one there. That's at night. That's a place where it's usually you don't get access to. Probably one of the most common ones to be able to experience would be, but even still, it's rare would be being in a small town or kind of middle of nowhere, nobody else is around, and the sky's cloudy, maybe it's going to rain, and there's fog everywhere. That's happened to me a couple times, and I think you're able to experience the same feelings each time, but it happens very few and far between. Yeah, I would imagine, like, it's also interesting because, like, a lot of these places are, for example, an empty parking lot at night, in like a suburban area that's very liminal but also like there's no like aspect of natural light in any of these very fluorescent yeah there's usually artificial light like the overhead light obviously i I had mentioned the kind of dreamscape-esque liminal spaces that are more like i think those are just more like dream core aesthetic places rather than actual liminal spaces but yeah, there's definitely a sense of eeriness in all of these places. And I think I wanted to discuss that aspect in relation to, like, hmm, like childhood trauma in a way. Like, people who have experienced kind of rocky childhoods and have a distorted perception with things that should feel kind of welcoming or fun, like a child's playroom may not when you kind of revisit those places in your mind they're not welcoming and fun anymore on the topic of children's playrooms i'm thinking of what paulina said about cuteness being uncanny Mm -hmm. in the girlification episode just because obviously it's kid adjacent because it's something that kids interact with but i think that association there is what brings to the eeriness of all of it there was, I wanted to change my background again to the, the foggy playgrounds. Playgrounds at night, too, are just Go like, for it. Switch it. Okay, we'll do it. Those are so scary at night. The backrooms as a concept. <laughs> Here I am. At the foggy playgrounds. Um, people have started making, like, video games about the backrooms because obviously it's, like, a good, like, it's a scary place, so it's just, like, it's a good, I don't know, environment to create, like, a scary game, I guess. Liminal land. Liminal land. <laughs> it's kind of just, like, an investigation of the backrooms gone wrong, because it's just, like, a place that 
you know, based off the definitions, uh, it's an in-between place. You can get in, but you can't really get out. There's definitely a limitlessness to it. I've seen a lot of TikToks of people playing these games. I've seen two TikToks where it's just like first person POV. You're just like running through a bunch of like hallways that all look the same. And there's like not really a way out. Mm-hmm. And you're being chased by something and you have to avoid it. Which in the videos I saw, the things that they were running away from was a rainbow cockroach that was playing I'm a Barbie girl and <laughs> the Josh Hutcherson whistle edit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those are really popular. They have like a bunch of different ones that I see people like, cause there's like, they're just scary. Cause it's just like weird thing, like running at you, like, and you're trying to run yeah. away um, in like a maze. Exactly. It's like a endless maze that just looks like where I am right now. I love human creativity. <laughs> Anyways, I found this article from Medium that the article title, it really caught my eye. It's called Liminal Spaces, the Era of Realizing False Promises. And I thought this was interesting in relation to the consistent aesthetic themes in all of these liminal spaces. But there's this quote that I that I think they got from wikipedia because when i click on the like it links the there's a link in the quote so that's what i'm going off of but basically this quote is within the article and it says in anthropology liminality is the quality of ambiguity or disorientation that occurs in the middle stage of a rite of passage when participants no longer hold their pre-ritual status but have not yet begun the transition to the status they will hold when the rite is complete so i thought that was kind of interesting in relation to like growing up and like looking back, a lot of little spaces include kind of elements of your childhood. So looking back on those things. And I think that's what a lot of liminal spaces and backrooms is trying to exploit. It's just kind of like the dread of growing up and kind of the negative effects sort of of nostalgia. I want to see how liminal spaces change because I think a lot of liminal spaces are dictated based off like a very specific mold which is that a like malls so like kind of like mid-century architecture and very vibrant color palettes are like kind of what distinguish a lot of liminal spaces now but i think now like kind of the a lot of like childhood experiences especially for like suburban kids i would say is probably going to change so it's like kind of going to be interesting to see what liminal spaces will look like if that's still a topic of interest for people, like what that would look like in 20 years, you know, because I feel like our sense of childhood and like what experiences that a lot of people had in the early 2000s, I guess, is not going to be the same. Like obviously McDonald's, like the branding of McDonald's is not the same anymore. So I feel like that's going to just be different, you know, that those types of things. So it's like what we talked about in the mall episode like that nostalgia even for like liminal spaces which as you're describing it it's definitely creepy but there's also like if those spaces were to go away it would be kind of sad in a a strange way like it would be really hard to capture that sort of creepiness if that whole aesthetic in relation to architecture didn't exist anymore Mm -hmm. it's kind of like a time capsule yeah 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 that definitely like lends to it being liminal because in your mind like the memory of you know a place is stuck 
in that version of itself where you first saw it or where the memory was created. I think that's what's interesting, especially about like Five Nights at Freddy's. It's like the perspective you have within the game is that you're like a security detail at night overlooking this out of business animatronic Chuck E. Cheese type establishment. The very kind of eerie uncanny aspect of animatronics is that like they're kind of deteriorated and you kind of see parts of their like skeleton like metal skeleton but also I think it's interesting because like in the sense of liminal when I what I just said about like how a lot of these places kind of exist in the version that exists when the memory was created so they're kind of frozen in time in your mind but like Five Nights and Freddy's and those types of media like kind of subvert that and show how those places kind of deteriorated over time which it's its own you know aspect of eeriness yeah i think there's another whole other world of the liminal space conversation where it's just like the overgrown mall or like abandoned malls and things like that where like kind of nature is starting to take over it's almost post-apocalyptic yeah because you said that and i just started thinking about the ferris wheel and divergent (laughs) (laughs) so true and in The Last of Us, like when they go yeah, to the mall. Yeah, I was mall, thinking The Last of Us also, yeah. When you see those types of visuals where it's like an overgrown, abandoned place, there's definitely kind of a sense of dread that something is lost, you know, forever. Because who's going to go back and kind of like fix those things? Existentialism and kind of the loss of innocence in a way when you grow up is two very major themes and why it makes the back rooms so interesting but also so eerie and there's a sense of comfort that comes with these places too because like they're you know part of a place that you once knew like the wendy's the old look of wendy's when it had like those like overhead windows do you guys know what i'm talking about Mm -hmm. yeah miss that miss that forever i like the old taco bell the fast food franchises really had it going on. They all look the same now. I feel like back then they were also similar, but they each had their own thing going on, their own little branding. Now everything is very like minimal and gray. Capitalism killed design. Mm-hmm. That's why this article that I cited, you guys should read it because it's kind of interesting because it talks about the log line for this is how the failure of the American dream has its own dystopian aesthetic. And I think it kind of describes this sort of like a backrooms core thing really well in terms of like how capitalism has failed, like, you know, the middle class and things like that. I think actually, now that I think about it, one common nostalgia liminal space post that I see a lot even though it's not framed as being a liminal space thing, but I think it could count as being a liminal space, is what early 2000s Target used to look like because they had those kind of neon fluorescent lights up on the back wall. They had the Pizza Hut. Mm-hmm. Very early 2000s has the same color palette, is obviously a store, so you have the overhead lighting. It's just kind of a brighter memory, I guess. It's not so yellow, I think is what I'm getting at compared to the images that we have here. But I definitely think Target has that 
experience down and there's also such a little kid thing about it like that was a very middle class thing where it was exciting to go to target and look through the toy aisle and then maybe get a pizza or an icy while you're there yeah and it's just like happy colors yeah and now they have starbucks instead which is so sad it's so sad it is like i also want to be munching on some popcorn when i'm shopping yeah didn't they have pretzels too? Yeah, something like I that. I feel like it was like yeah. pretzels, nachos, pizza, the ices. I have a memory of spilling my popcorn everywhere in Target. <laughs> core memory. <laughs> core. Making the problem for literally everyone else. I think some Targets still have those little like stands, but they're not as common anymore. I have a vivid memory of being in Target, checking out with my mom. And then my friend popped out of the Pizza Hut and was like, hey, Emily, with like pizza sauce all over her face. And it's just like such a cute memory. Like, it was just like so <laughs> cute. I was like, oh, my gosh, like my friend is at Target also. Like, it's like one of those things, you know. <laughs> yeah, That's so cute. Oh, back when like seeing people you knew is like more fun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's so sweet. That's actually really wholesome. That's very cute. She was just happy to see you. Aww. And she literally lived like one house over from me too. Like she was my neighbor. <laughs> I remember always getting sodas in the Target, but I would feel special because I would put a coffee lid over it. So I would feel really cool because I was drinking <laughs> out of the coffee lid. So every time I would go to Target, I would ask my mom if I could get soda. That's so cute. We can't do that anymore. I know. They need to I know. Them back. I miss those simple luxuries from when you were a kid. Like, you were so excited to have a coffee lid. It's just the simple things. And I feel like oh, that really? is part of, like, the liminal space where it's, like, you have these just, like, even though they seem so minor, they are, like, a core memory, you know? And these places were, like, the backdrop for a lot of that. Yeah. I Yeah, definitely. I think that's, like, what we're trying to realize is, like, how big those places were in our childhood. And, like now they're just not obviously because like we have different priorities we were girls there we were girls there we were girls together now people are just girls online <laughs> should we move on to core core yeah i personally don't get this at all because i've tried to understand and all i can i don't really know what it is is the problem and all i can figure out about it is that it's literally anything and everything uh, yeah i think it can be anything what i wrote down is a subversion of the idealistic nature of the internet and social media or nihilistic fan cams that piece together various pieces of media to illustrate an often depressing feeling or experience an example of this the loneliness of birthdays and the passage of time i agree it is interesting that core core is very focused on space and time i think whereas liminal spaces feel like they exist outside of space and time because yeah. i think i said this to you before when we were talking about this episode the core core videos give me the same feeling as watching the satellite videos that start super zoomed in on a house or something and then zoom out far outside of the universe and you realize how small everything is now, that's a good point about how liminal spaces exist outside space and time because i think we can only identify that like, oh, this is probably something we experienced in our childhood, but it's only because like we experienced it firsthand. But like, I feel like anyone could really exist in liminal spaces. 
But also, I think with core core, when I said nihilistic, I think they're often nihilistic. I don't think they're all nihilistic because I, when I was scrolling through some today, I saw one that was like, which makes it actually makes sense that this like became part of a core core video. But the Billie Eilish Barbie song was like used in it. I don't know. It was just kind of like sweet it's kind of similar in barbie where like had that compilation of women so i think that was like a more positive core core video more uplifting a lot of the ones i've seen are kind of just like very depressing kind of illustrate the passage of time or how lonely life can be or something like that but they are like multimedia they have various different you know i don't know people kind of throw together whatever but i've also seen like i think this is considered under core core but like hope core which is so like <laughs> so crazy. They kind of feel like Google ads or whatever, like those Google ads where there's just like a compilation of like I mean things that people are searching on Google, but like multimedia compilations to try to like illustrate more so like a feeling. And also like they're kind of more obsessed with like reality versus like idealism. Cause when you think of like core, like something core, it's more like it's more aligned with like fashion or like lifestyle behavior and things like that. And often when people kind of are trying to illustrate those usual aesthetics, it's like kind of still very idealistic. It leaves you thinking for sure. Yeah. I want to believe that they're trying to make some statement about human nature or humanity being a human, but then you get one that's mario kart clips in it anime and yeah memes and stuff like that which i guess still has something to say about humans but i think it's more about media and culture than yeah. the humans specifically in that case yeah so I, I it really is anything yeah i think that's why it's just like it never kind of became super mainstream because it really is kind of super hard to grasp it's very broad yeah it was kind of just like, it also was like, sometimes I think it was just an exercise of people testing their video editing skills. True. Um, <laughs> versus like actually trying to like make a point. But sometimes it kind of like, there's some core core videos that I'm like, oh, like I, I kind of see what you're trying to get at. They're almost like parodies of like normal aesthetic videos on the internet, I think. I think they're just trying to like, it's, or I guess more so satire. Of, like, that type yeah. of thing. Well, like you said, it kind of is, like, a subversion of internet trends and aesthetics and how people interact with social media. I think maybe people are getting tired of being told what to do in terms of aesthetics. So maybe Korokore and all its, like, weirdness is just trying to separate itself from that. Yeah. I actually, I saw a TikTok, I think maybe yesterday, from our best friend Mandy Lee, who predicted indie sleaze coming back she said that we're living in a time where we are naming trends as they're happening and trying to fit ourselves into the box of said trend rather than just doing what we like and then realizing that it was a trend or giving it a name all this time later so we're not giving trends time to breathe there are so many happening at one time and we're just trying to fit each of them instead yeah. of like actually having our own thoughts and feelings about how we want to express ourselves we're kind of losing a sense of self and individualism as far as 
personal style goes. Yeah, I agree. Because I think also with core chords, like it's not interested in aesthetics. It's more about themes, themes in terms of your self-expression rather than the aesthetics of it. Like you said, like core chord lily is anything and everything. I think that's just the name is core core. So using not just idyllic aesthetics to express yourself, but using anything. You cracked the code. We solved core core, you guys. We solved core core. Oh shit. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. I think we need a Nobel Peace Prize for that. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> I like to thank the Academy. I like to thank the Academy, yes. I solved core core if anyone cares. <laughs> when are we going to have a best core core edit category at the Oscars? No, oh my god. Honestly, that's a good point though. Yes. I'm waiting for like <laughs> fan cam editors to get awarded things. No, They're already getting sponsorships from companies yeah. to make edits for movies like The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. I've saw so many sponsored fan cams yes, and edits. That's right. Which yeah. I think is great. No, that's awesome. That's like so cool to me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious what the next phase is going to be though. Like maybe there will be like a TikTok awards or something. At the streamings, can there be a fan cam category? There should be. We know the big three. Timothy Chalamet Playdate, Joe Keery, Pedro Pascal. We'll throw Josh Hutcherson in there. We'll make it four. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There was a Hunger Games Tom Blythe edit. Oh, the Jacob Elordi Saltburn one. I think the Pedro Pascal, there was before that edit and there was after that edit. <laughs> I think now would be the place to talk about this because I have thoughts about those edits. Okay. So obviously the Timothy Chalamet Playdate edit revolutionary during lockdown do i know that huh i think if you saw it you would recognize it it's the timothy okay. chalamet him dancing like this to play date by melanie oh, martinez yeah, yes, yeah. Yes, yes i yes. like that it's the show yeah. like, <laughs> um <laughs> like this yeah like here yeah that was for famous tiktoker quinn like that edit was made for quinn so quinn is actually the ringleader behind this all we, we need to tag all these people in this i know <laughs> okay anyway so that happens and that was revolutionary because we're all in lockdown call me by your name was not really new at that point but i think people were just getting exposed to timothy chalamet at that point even though he had been around then like two years later we get the joe keery edit from season two of Stranger Things. And the reason that those two edits got paired up with each other as being like the big two was because the Joe Keery edit was him taking off his sunglasses in like a time-lapsey slow motion kind of way that mirrored, it was similar to the Timothy Chalamet play date edit. The Pedro Pascal one, that's a full-on edit. We got the transitions, we got the clips, yeah. we got the audio, we're cutting on the beat. <laughs> Because it became so viral and popular, they roped it in with the other two because those were just like really popular edits. Nothing to do with the Joe Keery or the Timothy Chalamet one. But we put them together just because they're popular. Then we started adding in other edits along with that, such as the Jacob Elordi one in Saltburn, Tom Blythe in The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, 
the Josh Hutcherson Five Nights at Freddy's edit. But don't forget your roots, you guys, because those first two, they got roped together because it was the motion and it was just that one clip. I don't know. I think that's interesting that we just did that because it's like they're actually completely different. Oh, yeah. I forget what it's called, but they're also using this software that allows them to do that. Like, because in the play date fan cam, it's like slow motion, then, you know, like it changes between the speed pace. changes. Yeah. But that started like in the trends within the fan cam and like edit community. Like, I think people start doing that way more. Because it's like a fun visual trick, I guess. Do you guys also remember when guys were trying to do the Timothy Chalamet dance? <laughs> no, as like I don't. Traps? Oh, yeah. oh. Unfortunately, oh. I remember. Oh my god. Oh my god. I wanted to ask you, Tierney, you said at the beginning something along the lines of you wonder how liminal spaces are going to continue. I'm curious if you think they're going to continue like how so my theory is that once gen z fully enters the workforce people will be super disinterested in liminal spaces but also because like the workplace is changed so much because of like covid so like a lot of people their office is them working at home versus like if they're having a corporate job they don't have to go in you know to their desk job so i think there's less like memories being made about like you know those types of experiences but also i think it'll just drop off in terms of like the interest of liminal spaces and then like in 20 years or something 10 20 years like there'll just be like this interest in terms of you know these spaces again the corporate feel of liminal spaces probably will change but also like we identified before there's a lot of like desolate parking lots like kind of empty streets at night those are sometimes considered liminal spaces because they're eerie and also like place they kind of feel like you're not supposed to be there i feel like those will always kind of exist like they'll always kind of be that sort of they always will invoke that sort of feeling of eeriness and also a little bit of comfort maybe too I also think like the fogginess, like I'm just looking at you in the park right now and it's like that's what I imagine purgatory to look like. But I think also it looks like the type of place you could go and time just stands still or doesn't exist and you don't age and you can just exist without any worry and just be in peace is what's comforting about it. Now with the back rooms there's sort of this like community of people online that have added like lore to the back rooms there's back rooms levels and there's also like beings in the back rooms that are like not human which i think kind of i want to say like ruins it i don't want to say it ruins that sort of aspect of liminal spaces but like it takes away that comfort because like a liminal space is like a place where it's like it's just you alone like nothing time isn't passing nothing can bother you nothing can touch you but you also just not a place like you can explicitly leave but like with the introduction of these beings they exist in time and space now there's these things that can bother you and can harm you i guess so yeah email me with any questions um <laughs> if you're gonna make a core core video what would be your song of choice i feel like it would have to be something really like unsettling Maybe like that one song. I don't know what it's called, but that one Mitski song where she's just screaming. Yeah. 
Um, um, oh, go ahead. No, no, okay. you go ahead. Okay. This must be the place by Talking Heads. I think that would just be really? so weird and random. Yeah. That's a good one. I have three songs I would choose from. Where We Belong by Passion Pit. The second one would be Tall Me from Ethel Kane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it, it would cut to right the to the part where she screams. Of course. And do you realize who's that by? Oh, the flaming lips. Nice. That's a good lineup. Thanks. Let's meet up at the liminal space at three. Or never. Or never. <laughs> or always. Sweet dreams. Sweet dreams. Sweet dreams. <laughs> or not. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. We wish nothing but sweet dreams to all of our listeners. Yeah. I hope Ethel Kane is in all of your dreams. Like and subscribe or Ethel Kane will appear in your room tonight. Yep. Okay, bye. I guess I'm dressed to play date to you.